The electronic driver's license. How does the advent of this new technology signal a change in secure identity solutions? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with Neville Pattinson, Vice President of Government Affairs with Jamalto and Chairman of the Smart Card Alliance. Neville, it's such a pleasure to be talking with you again. Hi, Tom, and thanks very much for the opportunity. It's a pleasure. Neville, why don't you bring our audience up to speed on what you're working on these days, because I know you've added a lot to your portfolio since the last time we spoke. Indeed, it's uh, quite a busy time. Um, we have uh, a lot of success in um, seeing the U.S. government roll out electronic passports, and that's been a program that's uh, now um, touching the pockets of citizens as they apply for new passports. They're getting an electronic document, um, which is uh, one of the best in the world. Um, we're also um, heavily involved in working with the HSPD-12 um, requirements of equipping all the federal agencies and their employees and contractors with uh, smart card identity badges for both the physical and logical access um, of their uh, environments. Um, we're looking into healthcare um, as a subject for um, putting better credentials in the hands of people to protect their electronic medical records. Um, there's a whole topic of immigration um, on the uh, uh, legislative books right now, and uh, there could be the opportunity there for upgrading the um, social security card. And obviously, we're uh, working with uh, various people now looking at electronic driver's licenses. Well, this is the topic we're here to discuss today, and it's an important one. Why, of everything that we've talked about just to start this conversation, is this electronic driver's license so key? to secure identity solutions? Well, if you look at uh, current driver's licenses that we have in the United States today, um, they are essentially a piece of plastic with uh, printed information on. Um, they have a few barcodes and so on for some machine readability, but they're essentially a physical um, identity document. You hand it to somebody, they look at it, they read it. You know, we've all um, seen the uh, TSA officers at the uh, airports who look at our driver's licenses and um, you know, uh, put a UV light on it and say, okay, you can go through now. Um, this is a, a very you know, first level of how to look at a secure document. Um, the idea of, of electronic driver's licenses, adding um, a secure microprocessor to that device in the form of a smart card, which is uh, very commonly used in many applications now. That smart card has a, a operating system um, inside the in the chip which can do many things not just behave as a driver's license it can also now protect that credential it can make sure that only the holder of that credential can disclose it when they want to by adding a pin code or biometric to protect it it can add multiple applications um, to do with other um, licenses or other benefits that states could possibly um, now amalgamate onto that one platform. States today have many identity programs with their citizens. Drivers are considering the most common and the most uh, thorough in its uh, capture of the citizens. Why not start combining all of these other programs that they've got and issuing other uh, cards for in various forms onto one platform, making them much more efficient and cost-effective in how they spend their money? Well, Neville, in terms of security features, what would be some of the main differences between the electronic driver's license and the traditional driver's license that we see today? 
The main differences are going to be around the, uh, the chip technology, um, the plastic bodies that we have today. Um, there are various types that, that there are. We're always introducing new security features to those. Um, there are uh, cloud bodies made of different materials. One um, being adopted uh, around the world is polycarbonate as a technology, which allows um, laser engraving of the, of the image and the various pieces of information on that. It also allows us to put on many security features from microprinting um, to uh, rainbow printing, all sorts of uh, t security technologies that make counterfeiting and fraud of the plastic body very difficult. But if you put a chip on it, um, you make counterfeiting impossible. Uh, you have a situation where a driver's license could be manufactured or fabricated by somebody to, to maybe look good, um, maybe look like a driver's license. But if you put a chip on it and all of the technology that's associated with all, all of the features that we have and the applications and the security controls, um, they, they're really in no position at all to, to make any form of duplicate or copy that can be used uh, fraudulently. So adding the chip, first of all, um, raises the security bar on counterfeiting dramatically and gives us an opportunity then to add these electronic features and more than just being a driver's license, as I said before. Now, well, give us a sense of what's driving the demand for the electronic driver's license. Certainly, it's not just technology evolution for technology evolution's sake. There are some good business cases here driving this. Absolutely. The main issue here is that states are looking to uh, be more efficient in their spending of money. Um, obviously, they don't want to raise taxes, and they have to become more efficient, therefore, to spend and fund other programs. On that basis, um, we have a, an opportunity here to look at a driver's license as an identity credential for a state citizen. That credential by um, the, each state to their, to their drivers or to, to ID cards and, and the other form that they exist can now be used to add the other associated um, services that they will get from the government, such as benefits, such as uh, other licenses they may have, concealed handgun, you know, cosmetology licenses, whatever they may be, they're all treated separately today. If we look at this as one uh, platform that can contain all of those licensing uh, credential information, then we've managed to save all of that expensive issue in providing other credentials to the citizens. We've also got some other drivers which are to do with uncollected revenues from the states, to do with uh, vehicle registration, to do with inspections of cars, and also the need to have insurance verification that the driver does have insurance. By adding all of these capabilities to, to chip on the card, we can have a much better assurance that people are indeed paying the vehicle registration fees, they are undergoing vehicle inspections, and they can have that whole trust chain of who did the inspection and where it was done and when it was done, and that money is paid. As well as when uh, stopped by a, a law enforcement officer, they can immediately check insurance verification, if that would be one of the applications. So this would generate revenues that are currently being missed by states by having this technology in the hands of the citizen and having it constantly updated to have all of the information relevant to the situation. So there are a number of areas there to do with revenue collection as well as uh, making the government more efficient in all the licenses at hand today.
It strikes me as well that you've got an opportunity here to really verify up someone's identity, not just in the real world, but in the virtual world. What can you tell us about uh, security and fraud prevention using the electronic driver's license? Uh, certainly. The, the issue we have clearly is um, we have no way of really projecting our identity into the virtual world or into cyberspace. Um, you know, our identities are reduced to ones and zeros of the digital environment. Um, in the physical environment, you know, having the document and somebody inspecting it, there's a much more of an assurance that there is a, a credential that's relevant in, uh, and valid here. In the cyber world, this is very, very difficult for us to currently ensure that we have somebody that we can trust and that we know who we're dealing with. With the issuing of electronic driver's licenses, um, the states are doing a verification of the credential information of, a, of an individual. And that information can be used to create a trusted electronic credential that can be stored on the driver's license. That electronic credential um, can be um, protected with uh, various certificates and various uh, pieces of information that can validate its authenticity wherever it's presented. That will allow people then to use this to do such things as interact with their states, governments through um, e-government services over the web, portals can be established, and instead of having usernames and passwords or tax IDs and passwords, the presentation of a digital credential through the electronic driver's license can have high assurance that this is indeed the individual that we're now um, working with and know who that individual is and be able to have that kind of trust chain back to know that this individual performed these particular transactions. So this can then extend to other services, other you know, commercial interests may be interested in now allowing that trusted digital credential to be used for their website access. Um, there are instances around the world where we've seen um, banks, for example, um, uh, accepting um, electronic driver's licenses issued by uh, the government in order to do their online banking. They can associate their driver's license and protect their online bank account for only the presentation of that electronic driver's license with the appropriate pin and information can now open their online bank account. So this is a, an added benefit. It can now give the citizen a trusted digital credential that they can use to perform uh, privacy-enhanced and secure transactions over the Internet. Well, you make a good point there, referencing other governments that are doing this already. This isn't a a brand new technology. It's in use in, in governments around the world. Can you give us a couple of examples of where the electronic driver's license is being used most effectively? Um, certainly. There's a very good um, usage of this in Mexico. Um, there are some uh, very uh, interesting applications there where they combine uh, many of the, the motor vehicle issues around um, the uh, registration, insurance, inspections, and licensing, and so on. Uh, all onto a chip so that they can ensure that the individuals are indeed um, paying all their dues to the government in order to operate and manage the, uh, the motor vehicle that they're in charge of. So this is proven and in operation in Mexico. Uh, in Sweden, uh, every uh, citizen has an electronic driver's license and that is used uh, for similar purposes as well as um, for online services, for e-government interaction. So that there are many uh, countries moving in that direction. Gemalto, um has about eight uh, uh, references around the world, of which I've mentioned two, 
And uh, we certainly see this as a, a driving force in the United States, where you know, the, the governments are looking for more efficient ways of operating um, the current portfolio of activities, as well as collecting revenues that they're missing today. So how can the electronic driver's license work most effectively as what we would call a complete, secure identity solution? You have to look at it from the whole part of enrollment, um, the verification of an individual from uh, the, the documents they present, all the way through the document issuance to the individual, how that's done either through a central bureau or through a local issuance at a, at a, at a motor vehicle office. Um, once they have you know, handed the citizen their new electronic driver's license, then they can either choose just to use it uh, as a driver's license, whatever they're required, or it could now be um, supplemented in its use by um, adding these other services. So if they perhaps now become um, qualified for a particular benefit that the state provides, the application can be added to that, to that card, and on presentation to the appropriate kiosk or terminal, uh, that information can be uh, accessed and understood what their benefit entitlement is. So the nature of the, of the technology is such that it is flexible. It can be um, configured and can be created in such a way that many applications can coexist inside the chip. Each of them are distinctly separated from the other, so uh, privacy is, is very important here and security of that information is very important. We want to keep the citizen in control of their information, so only when they plug this into a particular reader and they give their authorization code, will the chip allow the specific information about that particular application to be to be read. And, and even then, the smart card is such that it can determine what is the equipment that it's plugged into and can make sure that it only, only provides the relevant information that that terminal needs and not all the information. So here's an example. Um, we have uh, in Texas uh, a, a law that you're allowed to drink in the bar unless you're over 21. So today uh, we show our driver's license to the fellow at the door and he's got to see your name, he sees your address, he sees everything about you. Um, with the electronic driver's license, we can see a situation where you plug it into um, a door and the card is red and the, and the car just says, yes, this individual is over 21. And a green light comes on or the door opens, something like that. It's a way of verifying with the simplest amount of information um, and protecting the privacy individual that they're entitled to that particular service or access to that situation. So the, the, there is no real limit to what we can do here with an electronic driver's license. It is a terrific vehicle, you know, to, to use a point of razor, um, that exists today. Um, every citizen has one as an identity card or a driver's license, and by um, Adding all of these services uh, through the small incremental cost of the chip, um, we start to realize many efficiencies for the states and a whole host of applications that are, I think, ready for electronic credentialing. Well, you make a compelling case and you've offered some good examples. What are the, the barriers or the speed bumps to really exploring this technology in, in countries like the United States? What do we have to do to get there? Well, a lot of this comes down to initiative, and I look to the states to understand the initiative here. Um, traditionally, um, driver's licenses are issued by motor vehicle organizations 
um, in the States and they're issued as a driver's license. We've had the whole cycle of Real ID go through uh, the legislative process where they're now doing extensive uh, and more uh, in-depth background checks as part of Real ID to issue a driver's license. Um, I hope that the states will start to say, we need to make um, cost savings, we need to claim these revenues that we're not getting, and start to look at things across the departments that exist today, rather than you know, the verticals that they, they traditionally have been made. So it takes, I think, some initiative um, from state CIOs, for example, who are looking at these information systems and how many times do they really have the identity of each citizen in their databases and in their different organizations? We need to look at it from an identity management perspective, that we have the identities of a citizen, and then we attribute them all of the particular licenses and applications. So obviously the, the DMVs of the, of the states are prepared and, and are in the process of issuing driver's licenses and have them for some time. This to me is a logical extension of adding to them this chip capability to their driver's licenses and then allowing the other um, departments and the other parts of the state governments to start to utilize the uh, space available on that chip to provide that as their platform for their citizen information and the benefit information. Final question for you, Neville. For agencies and organizations that do embrace the concept of the electronic driver's license and, and welcome it, what can they be doing now to prepare for it? Uh, as they issue their um, RFPs for driver's licenses, they need to look at this from a perspective of um, adding a chip today. Um, obviously, we don't issue an entire population of a state um, a whole new set of driver's licenses uh, very quickly. It takes a number of years. Maybe a fifth or a sixth of the population get a new driver's license each year as they expire due to the various uh, um, limits of uh, usage of the driver's license. So uh, it's going to take five, maybe six years for um, a whole population in a state to have a chip-based driver's license. So we need to start um, putting these things in now. Perhaps it will be with a simple application to begin with, but the idea is that the smart cards are able to extend their functionality in the field. Uh, once they're issued, they're not cast in stone from the day they're given to the citizen. They can be extended and added and applications and enrolled on those cards in the lifetime of the, um, the usage. So for me, this is about um, starting today by enabling the infrastructure, by putting a chip on the card, by understanding the benefit model that we see of adding these applications and making the governments more efficient in the use of their contacts and citizens and regarding their identity and their benefits. Well, Neville, it's a fascinating topic. I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Tom. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. We've been talking about the electronic driver's license. We've been talking with Neville Pattinson, Vice President of Government Affairs with Jamalto and Chairman of the Smart Card Alliance. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.